Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Center for Christian Music Studies at Baylor University. This podcast was recorded at the 2010 Alleluia Conference. In this session entitled, Performing More Than Music, Terry York encourages learning how choir rehearsal spreads its good work out into the broader life and work of the church. You will learn why choir rehearsal is one of the most important hours in the church's week. To learn more about the Alleluia Conference, visit us online at www.baylor.edu slash alleluia. So, um, let's get started. Um, I will refer to some things that um, we established in the session called Rehearsing More Than Music, but uh, I also don't mind stepping back if you were somewhere else at another conference, another breakout session, and uh, to maybe explain things a little bit. I want to begin with the word performing or performance. Um, that word cannot be ignored in the context of what we do as a minister of music. By the way, how many of you lead choirs and or um, praise teams? Um, we can't get around the word performance, and the pendulum swings. Um, Depending on one end of the pendulum is, we don't dare say the word performance. It's as if it only has four letters in it. Um, performance seems to be something that pulls, we assume, pulls attention totally on ourselves. Uh, performance is something that hungers for applause and recognition, and we dare don't want to say out loud that that matters to us. On the other end of the, the swing of this particular pendulum, is the idea that yes, we're performing, and we're performing for God and God alone, and if anybody else wants to come along and benefit from this, they're welcome, but this is, this is for God. And um, so the word performance kind of um, comes in and out of vogue, or in this church it means one thing, and you get in the car and drive four blocks away, and in that church it means if we can kind of start at a basic understanding of performance, uh, performance is not a bad word, I think. If you look it up in the dictionary, you get these kinds of things. You know, it's to adhere to the terms of an agreement. Uh, a couple years ago, I had to have a new roof on my house, talked to some roofing companies, signed a contract, and then I watched to see if they performed according to the contract. And uh, so it, it's adhering to an agreement. It's to carry out a plan. That's performing. Um, to do in a formal manner uh, something according to that prescribed plan. It can also mean to give a rendition of it. That's what musicians know. You're going to perform this piece of music. What that means is you're going to give a rendition of it. You're going to do it. You're going to perform it. So none of these have to uh, necessarily have negative connotation. Um, it's just, I think, in... Uh, we need to know in our particular context how the word is used, how it is received, and how much we um, use it. I am not afraid of the word performance, and what I would like to do here is to, uh, now that we're talking about rehearsing, some, uh, performing more than music, to go back and look at some things we covered in the session called Rehearsing More Than Music. First of these is submission to authority. This is something that we rehearse that's more than music. Submission to authority. The minister of music, the 
worship leader, whatever you call that person, I'm going to say minister of music, um, submits to the authority of the Holy Spirit, submits to some lesser authorities, if you will, though just as influential, and that is what is the group that you conduct uh, capable of. That there's a certain bit of authority there, and you have to submit to it or else beat your head against the wall. Um, but for the, the member of the choir, and again, I will use choir to mean the ensemble, whatever that ensemble may look like or be named in your church. Um, they are called upon to submit to authority. So in their rehearsal, they're rehearsing this submission of, to authority. It's more than music. It doesn't mean that the music is less important, but this is something in addition to the music that is rehearsed and now performed. It is good for us from time to time to realize and for the choir members or the, the team members who, for the members of the church who understand that they are not in charge. Maybe they're never in charge and they need to look at authority from a, as a different, sometimes taking it on, the authority that comes from them uh, being in a place of leadership on Sunday morning. But this submission to authority, I'm talking specifically here now about the members of the congregation of the choir the group submitting to the authority of the leader and the leader submitting to the authority of, um, of, the, of God. In some places, the, that person has to submit to the authority of the pastor. And hopefully that's a cooperative working relationship, but sometimes that's not. But for the member, the choir member, to submit to the authority of the conductor, um, if in this choir you have, as we said earlier, people who uh, are at church every time the door is open and others who come only for choir, then you've got the whole breadth of the congregation. You've got a snapshot of the whole congregation. Also, we mentioned that the, the uh, choir is made up of people who run the church, people who think they run the church, people who don't care who runs the church, and there's that gamut. So you've got these people together submitting to authority. It is good for us now and then to understand that we're not in charge. And that thing that's good for us, that pill that we swallow that will help us, can come as a relief because there are so many things that we're in charge of. Or uh, and the choir member uh, sees this as a relief. I can be in the choir and not be in charge. Or it can come as a shock. If this choir member is chairman of deacons or chairman of the elders, whatever, and chairman of the finance committee and all this other stuff, and they come into this choir, and they're not in charge of anything. Uh, that's good for them, too. So there is this rehearsing, now performing this idea that all of us, from time to time, are called upon to understand that we are to submit to authority. That is not something that our uh, society feels good about. It's not something that our society is used to doing at any level. At any level, whether it's a child taking their parent to court for getting a spanking, or whether we're saying, that guy's not my president, to whatever, submitting to authority is something we, even when we are going along with the leader, we have not really submitted to authority. The choir, in choir, we rehearse that. Now remember, what we learn anywhere becomes part of who we are everywhere. 
So in this choir, when there is proper understanding of authority on the part of the leader and submitting to authority on the part of the choir member, then we are rehearsing submission to authority in addition to the music. And we are then performing that, not only in the context of rehearsal and Sunday morning, but taking what we've learned in the context of choir out into the rest of the church. Submission to authority. This may mean that someone who's on every committee and is chair of half of them needs a little dose of turn to page three and sing quiet. It may mean also that someone who's hardly involved in church at all learns about the authority that comes with the responsibility, the responsibility that comes with the talent, and you need to turn to page three and sing louder. And when then they take that out into the life and the work of the church, maybe you need to speak up and take on more. Maybe you need to sit down and let someone else take on half the job that you're doing. This encountering with this idea of authority is rehearsed in choir and performed then out in the life and the work of the church, beyond choir, or in addition to choir. So this submission to authority is, is part of what's being performed, what you're agreeing to do when you take on the responsibility of worship leadership through this choir, through this um, ensemble. And I'm hoping this is something that folks will keep in mind as choirs come back in vogue. Choirs were pushed aside. I watched it happen when praise teams came, came along. And now choirs are coming back into vogue. I, I applaud it. I'm not standing there saying, I told you so. I said, Welcome home. Welcome home. But I hope that along with, okay, how do we get this many people to start and stop together and stay somewhat on pitch, that people who are directing these choirs will understand there is more going on here. It's not to be denigrated at all. The music is happening. That should be the very, very, very best it can be. But to understand there's something else going on. One of the things performing is, is this submission of authority. I heard uh, someone who's kind of helping to lead the charge of bringing the choirs back make this statement on experience. I didn't say anything. I sat near the door so if I could bite my lip any harder I could leave. Say that if, if you have a piece of music that requires more than two rehearsals, get rid of it. This is the person that's leading some of the charge back to the choir coming back into the system. And I wasn't there as, as a teacher, I was there as a conferee, so I bit my canvas bag and didn't say anything, but um, don't do that at all. And I also hope that they've seen a submission to authority. Learned and rehearsed in choir, submission to authority can, be, can help us be more creative, can help us to be maybe more humble and thus more um, uh, effective in our leadership in other parts of the church, or to learn to, to speak up. Another thing that we rehearse and then perform in addition to music is cooperation and teamwork. Those who are in the, the rehearsal part will recognize this. Cooperation and teamwork. It follows on the heels of submission and, and to authority. Um, this is not giving in. Cooperation and teamwork is not giving in. We are in a society where 
compromise is seen again as a four-letter word. And cooperation and teamwork is engaged in only if it's going to benefit you. That's why community breaks down. Individualism feeds on this. But acquire engages in cooperation and teamwork. They rehearse it. Sit, stand, page three, page two, faster, slower, louder, softer, and we cooperate. And this, this cooperation and teamwork helps us to see that other people are as important as we are in any community in which we are a part. Our responsibilities may be different. But that doesn't mean that there is someone who's more important and less important. Is that not a lesson that's important in the church? For those who think they're just somewhere just under God and those who think that God no, no longer knows them or loves them. If we can get both of those folks in choir and bring them not to some vanilla sameness, but bring them to an understanding of cooperation and teamwork in the context of Christian community. It happens in choir. And we should be aware of that. While we are conducting, while we're bringing the music about, know this is going on. And who is it that's uh, experiencing this rehearsal and performance of cooperation and teamwork? It's those people in choir that I just mentioned. Always there, never there except for choir. Think they run the church? You run the church? care who runs the church. They're there. And they're all taking the same lessons at the same time. In a very subtle way. But subtle doesn't mean weak. It's powerful. I'll take a, a, you know, I want people who understand teamwork and understand cooperation. We learn it, rehearse it, inquire. It, it helps us to be quick to bring about to, to um, exemplify and to model cooperation and teamwork in committee meetings and Sunday school classes and mission projects and building projects. Yes, we say our part, and now and then there's a call for forte. Say it a bit louder, but then when that is done, you might get to a section of the anthem a little more softly. And you, whatever you learn anywhere becomes a part of who you are everywhere. And now you have our learning. Think about that. When you stand in front of this choir, in front of this praise team, and you're giving these kinds of instructions to these kinds of people, you're affecting the entire life and work of the church. It's no small thing. We are performing more than music. And these things that we're performing, it's not just coincidental or perhaps. It really is happening. I'm convinced of it. Now, what does that mean for us who conduct these choirs? I think it means that we have a very heavy responsibility at the point of being prepared spiritually and musically for rehearsals and understanding the context in which our performance takes place on that Sunday morning and to know that there's more going on here than just music, though that's not a denigration of the music portion at all. It will help us in our relating to people in the choir, in our sense of respect for them. If it's that person who's on the finance committee and you've been trying to get a new 
Super 80 widget gadget for your sound system, and this guy keeps blocking it. Your understanding of what of the power of what you're doing can help you see that person in a different light and realize I don't have to outmean this person. I don't have to out-argue this person. I need to bring this person to the humility that comes from learning to sit down, sing page three, and sing it quietly. And know that when they learn to do that and they see that it adds to the good of the whole performance, the whole project, that maybe, and I think indeed, they take that with them wherever they go. And you're, you're helping bring that about in the choir. I mean, this, I tell you, it's, whether you're paid, part-time, full-time, volunteer, doesn't matter. You're standing in front of that same group and these non-musical things are happening. And who do you know that? Another thing that is, is uh, performed that's beyond the music, uh, in addition to the music, is an attitude of, attitude of understanding. It's one of the things we rehearse, it's one of the things we perform. To perform in business meetings, committee meetings, and so forth, an attitude that says it may not be going the way I would have preferred, but I will continue to contribute to this project even so, is not only commendable, it can be revival for a church. And where do they learn that? They learn that when there's a piece of music that they might not have selected, but they still go ahead and learn it and learn how to do it well. To see that every piece of music doesn't have to be a piece of music that they love. They're still going to find the good in it. They're going to find the reason for it. And if even if then they think it's poor and I wouldn't have selected that, they still have given themselves to the project. Imagine that going into committee meetings and into decision times in the life of the church. This attitude of understanding, what are we understanding? It doesn't have to go my way for me to participate. And perform that in the life of the church. Now think who's, standing, who's sitting there in front of you when you stand up on Wednesday night or Sunday night or Thursday night, whenever you do rehearsal. Think who's there. And think about instilling in that person and helping that person to rehearse and perform submission to authority. Maybe it's just the authority of the group. Cooperation and teamwork. An attitude of understanding. I tell you, when I was ministering music, I wanted, I wanted the booger bears in the choir. I wanted to be the captain getting the tips on, on the finance committees and personnel committees and deacons and elders and that kind of thing in the choir. But while they may eat my lunch and fight me getting a 3% increase next year in salary, when I say stand, those rascals stand there. When I say hush, they say hush. And I'm thinking, I'm teaching them. And then they perform this. They perform it Sunday morning up there on the platform, sure enough. But they can't help to perform in other places or at least have to override what they've learned because what you learn anywhere becomes part of who you are everywhere. And now we see the importance of choir. <coughs> Deciding to get rid of a choir so you can have a praise team is not just changing music styles. It's taking 40 people that could be doing this and changing it to eight. Give me 40 any day that are learning with 
and how that can affect the life and work of the church. Another thing that we perform, we perform submission to authority, we perform cooperation and teamwork, we perform an attitude of understanding. We're also going to rehearse in addition to music and perform then in addition to music, stewardship talent. When that young mother is up there in the choir on the praise team, and her friends and neighbors are out there in the congregation, they know that she's head of the neighborhood committee and she takes one kid to soccer and one kid to karate on the same afternoon and she's holding down this kind of a job and she's and there she is in choir. Stewardship of talent. Even in times that are sacrificed. Now you don't hang that message around her neck. People just know it and finally it dawns on them. You know, hey, would you like to come sing in the choir or would you serve on this or that committee? And if they're about to say no, well, you know, and they just be able. Yeah, I'll give it a try. Now, I don't know how many times that happens, but if it happens once, something. Stewardship of talent. People who have been given talent haven't been given talent haphazardly, I think. God created this person. And we need to be looking for ways to employ the talent, to bring that dynamic into the life and work of the church. <coughs> so if, if they're learning in the context of choir to be good stewards of talent, maybe that means they say yes to this other aspect, non-musical aspect of the life and work of the church, this other aspect of the life and work of the church. Or maybe it's this, stewardship of talent also teaches them stewardship of other things and they actually get the guts to say no. I'm already chair of this, this, and this, and working on this, this, and this. And there are times in our choir music where my, my responsibility is to rest. You know what? I want to rest now. We rehearse. When you sing an anthem, I hope your part is not constantly singing from beginning to the end of the anthem. I hope there's a rest in there now and then. And you see the goodness of the, you see the reason for the rest. The rest means I have completed this phrase and now I am preparing this phrase. And your talent bows to things like rest. Your talent is not dragging you through the song. Your talent singing here If there's a person who's working themselves to death, they learn to rest. If there's a person who is afraid to stop working because maybe they won't get asked again, or maybe that's their identity, then they see you can rest and still have notes to sing before the song's over. So the person who needs to be called out of rest, or called into rest, rehearses that in the rehearsing of their stewardship of their talent, their talent. And your talent is something that isn't something that you just start on this particular day and go till you use it up. Talent is something to be a steward of. And when, and when you're a steward of something, you nurture it. You have a lawn, front lawn, back lawn, something like that. You have the responsibility to water it. Does that mean you have to keep it flooded to prove that you're a good steward? No, there are times when you're not watering it. 
rest. Sabbath. There are times when, even though you'd rather not, sprinkler's not working for some reason, the guy can't come fix it yet, you get out there and you squirt it with a hose. You work a little bit harder. Your talent and its connected responsibility is something that is rehearsed in choir and performed in the life and work of the church and in the life and the work of the individual. I shared this uh, in earlier uh, sessions, so sorry for opening here again. One of the breakthroughs for me in growing a choir and in developing my relationship with God was when I said to them, if you had a really bummer of a Wednesday, flat tires and toothaches and kids throwing up all over you from the back seat and that kind of thing, something's got to give, stay home from a rehearsal with my blessing. Stay home and rest. Choir attendance decreased remarkably when that the guilt trip came off. And I didn't tell them, stop being a steward of your talent. I taught them how to be a steward of the talent. And that includes us. Sabbath is all through scripture. So we rehearse and we perform stewardship of talent. Not full blast, full go, using up talent till you fall over dead. Stewardship you step in and you step out. And sometimes you step in when you'd rather not. Sometimes you step out when you'd rather not. The rest is there. You observe the rest. But you have a stewardship. You are suddenly aware of this talent. I am being a steward of this talent now by exercising it. I'm being a steward of this talent now by resting it. And you realize that the anthem's going to get sung whether you're part of it or not. So too the church will go on whether you're part of it or not. And you can begin to relax. Or you can begin to step up. You're carrying the load in a few minutes. Stewardship of talent. Attitude of understanding. Cooperation and teamwork. Submission to authority. When people want join the choir. I don't know what kind of um, criteria you have for joining the choir, but I can tell you this for me. I'm conducting choirs and somebody wants to join in a church context. One of the things I keep in mind is, and I don't have auditions, but one of the things I keep in mind is I'm talking to this person and letting them know what it means to be a part of the choir, is thinking, what will choir do for this person? Not just what will their, will their voice do for the ensemble, but what will choir do for this person? And thus, what will this person being in choir mean to the church? What might it mean? And that's simply an acknowledgement that more than music is being rehearsed, more than music is being performed. And what a neat thing when um, you have sitting maybe next to each other in the same chair, in, in the same section, ne chairs next to each other in the same section, the person who's there every time the door opens and the person who's only there for part. The person who's the chair of everything and the person who feels like they really don't matter much to the choir. But sitting there, and one says to the other, 
What's this note again? Uh, no, it's missing here. No, it says you're supposed to, but she said not to. And, and they're, they're doing this kind of work together rather than saying, these are things he learned at church, or rather than saying, where's this guy except for the choir rehearsal? Where did you get something more than a communication pastor would do? And it's part of community, it's part of church, and it's part of being Christian. This is why I want as many people in that choir as I can accommodate, because of what they're going to learn and take out into the rest of life. Who else? Who else? Maybe the pastor. I don't know. I'm not even sure it's being pastor. Can say to as many people, stand, sit, sing louder, sing softer. Yeah, I know you have a section there, but I want the tenors not to sing until we get over to page five. And they hush. See, um, this dynamic is lost when we only think of the choir as a performance group. The dynamic is lost when we think that performance should not be performance. The dynamic itself produces a Christ-like, <coughs> Sabbath-aware, discipleship-aware engagement with the music, thus engagement with involvement, engagement with, with the community, with the congregation, as leader, as follower, depending on what the music says. The music says, right here, tenors, you're leaders. Everybody else is ooing or silent. You've got the, the words and you've got the, the fortissimo. You turn two pages, tenors, hush. Somebody else gets in the way. We perform what we learn musically. We perform more than what we than the musicians and the things that we've rehearsed that are more than that. Now, before I go further with this, I'd like you to just push back or bring a comment point. Absolutely. I think that it's good if you have like a fall kickoff, you're, you're you know, uh, introducing your Christmas music or something like that, or get the choir fired up again. Talk about these things. To watch for times in rehearsal to kind of discuss this. Now, um, I would not just put it so just push it down their throat to the point that they don't want to hear but in some sort of an orientation or as it is conversational to mention it in, in the context of a rehearsal definitely bring it to their attention there's, there's more going on here they're going to be aware of it I mean they're going to know that one of the reasons they come is for the fellowship and we know that too that that's one of the reasons they come that's not a bad thing that's a good thing that fellowship needs to be taken out into the congregation. Uh, I mentioned earlier that uh, I think it's very, very important that we rehearse 
our responsibility to the congregation and perform our responsibility to the congregation. Now in the choir, first of all, that's going to mean that we get the notes right and we get the words right so the people know what we're singing. But I think it also means this, as if before. Your performance is falling short. If you stand in front of the people on Sunday morning singing of the love of God and you're angry at them for how they voted on the color of the car. Or they cut you off in the parking lot. Or 13 years ago, they got to be chair of a committee you wanted to be chair of and you haven't talked to them since. Here's where performance starts to get heavy. And that is in our responsibility clear the communication channel as much as we can between the choir loft and the people. And one of the things I think the choir members need to know is this. You have a responsibility to keep your heart right with the Lord and your heart right with the people in the congregation. This doesn't mean I'm mad at somebody out there for I need to quit singing in the choir. That's not good stewardship of your talent. It means to be a good steward of your talent, you may have to walk out into the congregation after the service is over on Sunday and say, Greg, you need to talk to me. I can no longer keep standing up there singing of the love of God when I know I'm contributing to hard feelings and heaviness and you can hear me. Performing. Performing. Doing what this responsibility calls on you to do. Baptists, Methodists know something of this too, about now and then. Now and then have things they call revivals. Hang a big banner out between two trees and we're gonna have brother so-and-so in from Kentucky to uh, preach for, used to be two weeks and one week and now it's three days. <coughs> You don't have to hang out a banner that says revival when these people we've already mentioned in the choir always come, never come. Think they run a church, do run a church, don't care who runs church. When that group starts understanding that performance is music, but it's more than music, and they're coming down out of the choir loft into the pews to say, I don't like this tension between us. You don't have to hang out a banner that says revival on Sunday. See, not guessing. See. Now you can't say, you go talk to him. You know, they're the minister meetings, business. And there's a lot of some church may do, but most of the time not. But you can let them know that the what we're rehearsing cannot be fully performed until the congregation will receive it from you. For them to receive it from you, you have to get the notes right. And you have to get the words right and enunciated so that they understand all that you are saying. That's not the whole job. Performance has not been completed yet. 
have you put the shingles on the roof? I'm not going to write the check yet. You haven't put the shingles on the roof. You haven't finished this thing yet. Forming more than you did. Acquire. I think it's part of the stewardship of the talent. It is the result of the cooperation and teamwork rehearsed in between us, but then it is performed, cooperation and teamwork from the folks who are in the choir loft and a lot of the folks that with the folks out in the pews. And you're rehearsing this. You are bringing about, you are conducting the performance of this. Whether you're full-time, part-time, doesn't matter to me. Paid, volunteer, doesn't matter. You stand in front of them on Wednesday night or Thursday night or Sunday afternoon. This is part of what they are to do to be good performers, and you are conducting and rehearsing toward that performance being complete. How, how do you conduct this thing we're talking about now without being like judgmental or you're putting your nose in where it doesn't belong? Well, it's because you do it in these broad strokes. I think part of it too is living. Absolutely. Yeah. We're modeling it for others. You know, if we if there's something that that we you know decision was made that we disagree with or whatever it is, if we live that out and I agree, and there are a number of opportunities to do what you just said or not. Okay, you just got the report back from the finance committee. You submitted a budget for this much, and they said you can have this much. You can pout in front of the choir, or you can exhibit what we just talked about here. You can be slighted by someone in the choir in their opening. How are you going to respond? Yeah, you have to do it. In the same way that you have to be convinced this is a good piece of music for it to work, you have to be convinced and exhibit this final step of crossing the finish line in the performance. Isn't that something to consider that? I mean, when, when you're first considered being the, min the minister of music, choir director, whatever it's called in your church, you were thinking, do I have the time? Do I have the talent? have the confidence that I can pick out the music and get it ready for a particular Sunday. Now you've got to think about, can I handle this spiritually? Whether or not there's a minister or a reverend or something in front of your name, you pick up the stick. You stand that on that side of the, of the conductor's stand, and it is on your shoulders. It is your responsibility. We rehearse, we rehearse, we rehearse. But just singing it is not the full performance. Preparing the ground for it to be received is part of the performance. I think that's why the choir needs to be seen in active in other aspects of the life and work of the church. Sometimes wearing their choir polo shirts, sometimes just as individuals. If you're doing a Habitat for Humanity, the choir ought to be out there hammering nails. 
The choir member is asked to serve on a committee. That's an individual question, individual response. There ought to be some yeses, and I think there will be if they understand we rehearse and perform more than you do. But you see, you're, you're helping to cultivate the landing spot for the message that you're sending. I think it's part of the responsibility. Anyone else want to think out loud? What are you thinking? By the way, you don't have to agree. <laughs> Does this sound like something that should only be laid on the shoulders of the uh, minister of music who's been to seminary and has formal degrees? I don't think so. Yeah. No, I think if you're the choir director because you're the only one that knows what 3, 4, and 4, 4 mean, and you say, okay, I'll direct it, this all comes on your shoulders as if you had a doctorate in church music and were ordained. I think it makes a little difference. Male or female, no matter your tradition. You help a choir come to this kind of understanding. And, and again, I don't think you say, Sally, you need to go talk to Mary. But I think when you get to a point and there's this text and you've been working with how the text relates to the music and nuancing its musical setting, I think it's something to say. How can we say this? How can we sing this? If we've got something against somebody in the congregation, can we stop for a moment and pray about this? You and the Lord talk about whether your performance of this, our performance of this, needs some reconciliation before we actually sing. We don't have to be any more specific than this, but the text brings this forward. I think that's because you're part of the union. It's I ought to miss your brother. It's brother. And then if someone says, well, I just need to drop out of the choir, well, you also have responsibility for stewardship of your talents. God didn't make a mistake when God gave you the talents. Don't you make a mistake now by laying it down. Live up to it, including all of what it means to perform. Other comments? Thoughts? I think it's obvious that for this to be a very present and real part of your ministry, it's going to take time for it to nurture and come into being. I don't think you can have this kind of response and this kind of relationship with the choir on your first week of being their choir director. Um, it can be in your heart to bring this about, but know that it's just going to take time and watching for the opportunity. Perhaps it's in something you say before choir starts. Perhaps it's something you say to someone out in the, choir, out in the parking lot after choir. Perhaps it's something that you observe as you're trying to, as I said, wed the music and the, the words. But you're constantly aware that this is something the congregation, the choir needs to understand about their relationship to the hearer. 
for me more than music. And it's music that you see. That that message that God has given to the composer and then to the minister of music and then to the choir and now the choir to the congregation. It's more than not not a musical thing. It is a musical thing, but it's more than that. It's a spiritual thing, it's a relational thing. Take a minute or two to think about your specific situation back home. How this might be applied. Maybe there is some rift and you have members of the choir on both sides of it. Maybe it's some kind of rift and the choir cannot be seen as champions of one side or the other. They have responsibility to the congregation. Maybe it's that missing piece of how you want to prepare the choir as they begin the new season, if you will, begin the new Jesus for Christmas after summer. Maybe it's something you just kind of tuck away, tuck away and when the need arises, you recognize it and bring this understanding to it. It'll be all different applications. It's your responsibility to be the best musician you can be. And I think that it's also your responsibility to be the best spiritual director you can be. Because these people no matter your title. It's about time to turn you loose, but I want to uh, see if there's anything more you would think out loud with. Right? I have an office right across here I teach here, and um, sometimes I'll have students come in after class and say, Dr. Wolf, that thing we were talking about, you know, I was thinking about, ah, why didn't you share that in class? Crime yes, you're right on target, share it in class. And uh, so I would say the same thing to you, you know, I'll be glad over Dr. Pepper float to continue the discussion, but I might say, ah, I wish you'd share that with the group, whatever you're thinking. what you do there is we don't present it as a guilt trip what we're not accomplishing right. but like that is a spiritual challenge and we as we grow in our music ability this year can we grow in our spiritual uh, understanding and awareness and abilities as well and, and kind of present it as a challenge um, I mentioned to the group earlier I was talking about rehearsing all of this that I was leading a conference and uh, at the church Actually, it was in a particular church, but it was several churches coming together. It was in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And when we started talking about this kind of thing, these were young women in the choir who just started music. And another woman came over to console her, and the two of them got up and left after a little bit of discussion. And I just went on something about the way she was different. And I learned the next day 
that she realized it was someone she knew tough as she knew and I'm like okay and this friend went with her and um, so it doesn't have to be that dramatic but I think it's that relapse you know when it starts to happen and it's amazing what the spirit can do in the church and the people who gather together on Wednesday night or Thursday night open their hearts up to these kinds of things spiritually in the same way that they have never felt up to you before. And they're looking to you. What piece do we rehearse? Where do we start? What do you want us to do with this grace? Well, you also have a responsibility. Here's what this message, if it really means something to us, here's the action it may require of us to really be able to challenge. You don't come off as holier than thou. You don't come off as scolding. You don't come off as laying guilt trips. You come off as spiritual leader as well as musical leader. And you live it sometimes. It uh, really um, adds a bit of um, gravitas, I don't know, a bit of weight to your work in the Sanitarium Choir. Thank you, man, for your feedback on this. I just instinctively have done for a long time. It's at the end of the rehearsal, I'll thank everybody for coming. Because you know, I came to the realization early on that if people don't show up, I don't have a choir, mm -hmm. and and so you know they make it a, a choice to be there for rehearsal because there's plenty of other things they could be doing at that time, and so it's just one of those things that has become instinctive for me to say, thank you for giving up your time, and thank you for being here, and putting your hard work, and I've had a few people comment on that saying, that's just so great that you thank us, yeah, and. It, well, you know, and I explained, well, if you didn't make the choice to be here, <laughs> then I wouldn't have a choir to direct. So, you know, I think, I think even just something as simple as that. That's right. Appreciation, respect. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a conference I used to teach. I haven't taught it in a long time. It's called They Don't Have to Come. And it's two ministers in Utah. And it's about choir. And they don't have to come. You know, here, I have the luxury. You know, I sit in front of the class and I hold up the roll book and those rascals show up. You don't have that. And it, so there has to be that added value, if you will. There has to be, I think, all that, that genuine appreciation and gratitude for them coming. And then when they come, it's worthwhile. Um, it's a wonderful thing. And if it's, re, if it's refreshing, listen for this. I dare say you've all heard this. Not necessarily to you, but you've heard people talking about it as they at the end of rehearsal. Man, I was tired when I came tonight. I feel a little better now. I think I can go home now. Wow, that's like hearing angels. And the second the thing underneath that, the second thing underneath that is if you've been working on diphthongs and triphthongs, lie, not lack, laita, and somebody says on the way out, whoever's the last out, be sure and turn off the laita. <laughs> and they laugh, and you say, yes, Lord, they're getting it. Well, the thing just above that is, I was really tired when I came, but I was still refreshed when I went out. <coughs> that, that's a giant amen. And, and you know that, that you're on target. And pray for that and, and cultivate an awareness of, is this going to be worthwhile and energizing? And I think when you get to this, <coughs> that can happen musically, but it can also happen, I think, at a deeper level even, spiritually. 
and that's what makes it all worthwhile. For them and for you. That's right. Yeah. For them and for you. Um, so that's a little bit of uh, thoughts gathered up under, I had to give some title of thing, and, uh, for performing more than music, but I think that um, it's not brand new to you. These are things that you're aware of. It's just underscoring them. Yeah, you know. And you put in the word and the verb, the verbiage, what we have not known and done, mm -hmm. but there is, there is a certain justification factor in you enumerating these things and reminding me personally that these things, even as we're. That's like when you have a guest conductor, you know. Make sure they come from at least 50 miles away so that they, they're an expert. And they come in and they say, okay, now when you see this going down this way, that means you get quieter in your choir, in your congregation, in your choir system. Oh, really? And they write down, you know, get quieter. And you say, oh, wait a minute, I've been telling you that for 12 years. Well, this is that, this is that same kind of thing. Uh, you know this, just know that it's important. And kind of maybe put it a little higher on the, uh, the uh, outline, the agenda for rehearsal and in your own heart for why it is that you gather with these and love them for um, I love choir members to death, even the stinkers. I just do. Um, there are a number of reasons for that, but, um, well, I'm married now, so. Um, but I think that, um, again, this can be a source, when you understand this, and you can conduct it and kind of instill it, um, this can be a source for renewal within the church without any formal campaign, um, any declaration that we're going to start this thing. Do it and watch it go out into the life of the church where these people are otherwise uh, outside of the Thank you again for listening to this podcast. To learn more about the Alleluia Conference, visit us online at www.baylor.edu slash alleluia.